Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Someone gave me a heads up that there was a little um, audio tribute or shout out to the show by a Melanian Kroll on their, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, hello. Is that it? Uh, the, the two old guys. Yeah, the Oh, hello podcast. The boy for sale episode, but apparently they copped our music, and I'm not gonna, I'm not coming after him for it. I, th- I thought it was a uh, fair use, nice tribute. I took it, uh, I took it in a positive way, which is I'm sure how they meant it. Uh, how's it going with you guys? How's the the baking and whatnot? I, I'm still, I'm, I'm wary to bake. It's gotten hot here in LA, so my air conditioner just doesn't hold up when it gets real hot. So I've been cooking things out here in the studio kitchen. Someone asked me, why why do I have a kitchen in my studio? I don't know if I haven't explained this or if it's necessary to explain it again. I had to make the garage here at this house into basically another house in order for it to be up to code. So that took a while and I was broadcasting out of one of the bedrooms upstairs in the house. And now I'm out here, but there's a, a kitchen here. Someone could live here. God forbid my mother, my brother, my father needs to, to, to live here. And I say God forbid in a nice way, but God damn it, no. Please, no, not that. In a nice way. Anything but that, please. I'm saying that with love. Uh, everything moves forward out here. You know, I don't even want to think about it. Got enough on my plate right now. Do I, though? Do I? By the way, Laura Linney is on the show today. The amazing actress, Laura Linney, is here. She's going to be on... Well, she's not here, but she's on the show. Ozark Season 3 premiered last month. You can watch all three seasons of that, but watch her movies, man. I just watched... Um, you Can Count on Me. I just rewatched that Lonergan movie. What a fucking great movie. God damn it. Yeah, but she's been in a lot of movies. The Savages, we were gonna, I was going to rewatch that. But we ended up watching uh, Ace in the Hole and some uh, um, Eliza Hitman movies because uh, I want to talk to her. But I'm starting to uh, not only get used to doing 
conversations like this with a video hookup, but there's something unique about them. Uh, I I thought I could only see the possibilities of negative things about uh, uh, in terms of having the mediated conversation. Mediated being they're not sitting in front of me, but there is something about doing it this way too that uh, is okay, if not unique, in that I seem to be getting the same depth or quality of conversations, but there's something a little different about them that's not a bad thing. It's a different thing. It's a good thing. So I don't know what you guys have been up to. Are you just kind of repeating things? I have been digging into the past, I think, is a, is a favorite pastime. That bit that they did on SNL that A.D. Bryant did, at the end of uh, this last SNL from home, which I find very touching. You know, I don't really watch SNL with any regularity, but there is something sort of leveling about having to do it the way they're doing it. There's sort of a, uh, a vulnerability to it because there's no audience, there's no crew. They're dealing with, they're having to shoot these things with whoever they have to shoot them with. So it's all kind of homemade. The weird thing about entertainment at this point in time is that uh, 90% of it looks like an audition tape. And there's a vulnerability to that, to, to not having that interaction with the audience, to only having the interaction with the camera, to not having a crew, to not having makeup. And you're sort of seeing these, the, the, almost the raw talent of the people. Uh, and it's, uh, it's kind of great. I don't know if I could, I, I'd prefer it forever, but as I've said before, I think John Oliver's show is better without the audience, with him just sort of focused and plowing ahead. But the A.D. Bryant bit with her reading her old journals and then kind of losing her mind, I just thought was hilarious. I've been organizing a lot of stuff, going through a lot of stuff, throwing away a lot of stuff, moving stuff around. And it triggers a lot of uh, feelings. You know, looking at old pictures, looking at old artifacts of your life, the life artifacts, old journals, old writing. I'm going through the boxes, man, to see what got me here. And uh, a lot of it uh, not worth saving. That was that's the big takeaway. Why am I keeping this? Who's this for? Be a lot easier when I fucking die to not have all this shit for someone else to throw away. But I did have this weird thing about old pets. You know, because I don't know. Are you talking to a lot of people? A lot of people are talking about Zoom fatigue, but maybe it's because my job is what it is. Uh, you know, I do interview, but I don't, I'm not talking to a lot of people on Zoom or FaceTiming or or talking to anybody. It's weird. It's more of a check-in thing. Like, dude, you all right? Yeah, good here. Okay, checking in. And that's it. But I did end up uh, spending some time to talk to my buddy Sam Lipside for about a about a half hour, hour yesterday, and that was great. I got to do more of that. But it's what I think is odd in, in thinking about the past and going through, through things about the past. Like, I can very specifically remember, and this is because Monkey is sick and because I lost uh, LaFonda a few months back. I got an email relating to LaFonda, actually. I'll get back to this. Let's see, where is that email? Perfect guitar name. Dear Mark. Thank you for WTF. I feel like a serial podcast dater who finally found the one for real this time. I especially love that we share a big heart for cats. I have three, and as is tradition or psychological quirk, they all have several names each. The names they started with, however, are Gizmo, Seven, and May. 
I feed them catnip often because they live in quarantine all the time, regardless of the state of things right now. I recently purchased a Telecaster, and I felt compelled to find the perfect name. I would never have imagined that name would involve you, but here we are. This evening, as I stared longingly into her Texas tea finish as she lay in her plush case, all shiny and new, it hit me, La Fonda. I'm going to name her La Fonda, and I'm going to ask for Mark's blessing. Mark, may I name my Telecaster after your cat? Happy quarantining days to you, and may the president fail at killing you and those you love. Respectfully, Aaron. Yes, yes, you have permission and my blessing to name that amazing Telecaster after my cat, La Fonda. I'd never name my guitars. Am I supposed to? I've never named one fucking guitar. Anyway... But I was reflecting on the memory I have of cat, of dogs, cats, things that these animals I've had in my life outside of gerbils, or you know, I've never had a fish outside of rodents. But all the cats from my childhood, all the way up through the ones I have now, and the dogs from my childhood. I don't have dogs now; I haven't had in years. I remember very specifically exactly who and how they were as animals. Like, very specifically. Like La Fonda, I looked at a picture of La Fonda the other day because there's one around, and I, I, I could completely remember everything about that cat in terms of her behavior, but I, I'm not, I can't do that with people. Like, I remember bits and pieces of people, but, you know, look, animals change. They just, they shift, they get older, they get, you know, they, they sweep a different place, they get a different quirk, they play with a different thing, but the, the sort of soul if not soul, the core of who they are, you feel all the time because they're honest. It's all out. They're not hiding anything other than the ability to turn on you, <laughs> which, which I guess people do too. And that might be the reason why it's harder for me to remember people because uh, of what they were hiding about themselves. People shift and like I have a good sense of a lot of the people in my life but it's it's very limited in particular and, and specific about certain things and certain the ways they did certain things. But animals, you fucking know them all the way through, and the memories are always going to be the same because they they're all out, honest, honest brokers emotionally. People not so much. And then you and you know that's true because you know you know people when you're younger, and then you meet them when you're older. And you're like, what the fuck happened to you? Where's the guy that was? What happened to that guy? Animals, not so much. It's just sort of like, oh, look at you. You're all old and shit. I do want to mention this. First, on my Instagram stories, I've been almost exclusively posting records that I've been playing in quarantine. Because I listen, I've been listening to whole records kind of all day long in the background or sitting there and doing it. Records that I've had that I haven't really given a, a fair shake to. Like I didn't, I didn't really ever focus in on the pink fairies, but I did yesterday. But I've been sort of uh, posting all of them as I go through them. A lot of the the sort of um, weirder and harder to find records, I enjoy posting those because um, I like to. It's a sort of like this is a great album. You probably never heard it. I'm not expecting people to go buy the records, but you know if you wanted to listen to it on iTunes, you could. But anyway, so I'm doing that. I am occasionally and sporadically doing Instagram stories. Oh, I did want to say this about SNL. The musical numbers by Pete Davidson are, are kind of hilarious and very sweet. Uh, the whole thing's moving to me. I, I, I can't quite 
understand why, but but it is. So, yeah. So I just wanted to give you a heads up about the uh, Instagram stuff. Also, a friend of the show from way back, Dwayne Kennedy, was on a very early version of this show. He was in our book, Waiting for the Punch. He's been this respected kind of off the beaten path act. Like a lot of us know who he is. He's been around a long time. He has a tremendous amount of respect in the business. But for for some reason, after decades in the business, he's finally releasing his first comedy album, aptly titled Who the Hell is Dwayne Kennedy? And you can pre-order a copy of it at oakheadrecords.bandcamp.com. That's O-A-K-H-E-A-D, oakheadrecords.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's it's decades in the making, folks. Dwayne Kennedy's album. It's okay to uh, be afraid. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frightened. And to be uh, vulnerable in all those things because you can't avoid it. It's a weird thing about concern. That when you're concerned, there's a vulnerability to it. Same with being afraid and being angry. You know, a lot of people think that you're keeping people away, but there's nothing more transparent than anger in terms of how vulnerable you are. It's a dangerous vulnerability because it's volatile, but when you're any of those things, you are you know, vulnerable or susceptible to being you know, shit upon or bullied or hurt because all those things are sort of um, just chum in the water for fucking belligerent, awful people. But you got to feel them. They're important. They'll help you move through things ultimately, get those muscles working so you don't turn into an asshole. Manage it, your concern, your fear, your anger, but uh, don't shut them down because they'll, you know, they'll just come out in tumors and inabilities to breathe, psychosomatic symptoms. Just don't, you don't want to become one of the belligerent chaos junkies who wants to tear it all down, pay homage to their god Keck in their pursuit of single party rule. Keep open, keep open so we can help people, help ourselves, and maybe things will recalibrate at some point. I also want to uh, say that I, I, I got the box of Chinese toilet paper that I ordered, I think, a month and a half ago. It was cheap. There was like 20 rolls. And I was like, this is weird. It came and they were like miniature rolls of toilet paper. Not bad toilet paper. I, I bought it in a panic when you couldn't get toilet paper. And this just sort of surprised us. There it was. 20 rolls of what seemed to be half rolls of toilet paper. But uh, we got them. Hey, little toilet paper. Is not uh, not nothing. So Laura Linney, I was thrilled to talk to. We had to we were going to do this a couple weeks ago, and then uh, there was some an issue at her place. Her electricity was off, and now uh, and now we're able to do it. And it was a lovely talk. She's a lovely person and a great actress. And uh, of course, she's in the series Ozark, which is on now, or they're all on now. Season three premiered last month, and you can watch all three seasons on Netflix. This is me 
talking to Laura Lynn. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's so exciting. I. It's weird. I was thinking about it. We are, I think, the last generation that was kind of fully able to adapt to what we have to do here. Yes, I like think my, so. My parents could not handle it. No way. Barely no handle way. a phone. My mother, thank God, my mother has just started texting, <laughs> but she does no email. She will not, every computer I bought her, and yeah. I bought her several, is a lemon. It's not just, her fault. It's not, she, and she ain't good, she's just not going to do it. <laughs> and now she's proud. Oh, yeah. Wait till they get hold of the emojis. My mom's an emoji <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're all going back to hieroglyphics. Yeah, and, language, and they get very excited. Language is going. Yeah. Yeah. The poetry of text is very tight, very short, and it's hieroglyphics. Oh, Can't read yeah, the tone. I don't know if it's quite poetry, but hieroglyphics, yeah. I yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe I'm um I'm being uh, I'm reading too much into it and being optimistic. You're being generous. You're when being somebody's generous. curt and uh, dismissive, I'm like, Well that's nice yeah. tightly phrased <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Where where are those glasses frames? Those are good. Thank you. People like these glasses. And I, yeah. I don't know where they're from. I think I bought them at Whole Foods. Really? I think. You bought glasses at Whole Foods? I don't Or CVS or something like that. I, I, I lose glasses constantly. I didn't know Whole Foods had glasses. Oh yes, they do. They have a very nice little glass next to the soap. Is that okay? <laughs> I learned something today. Yeah. So what did you, so like, how are you uh, feeling? Like I, I'm doing uh, I drink a, a lot of tea. So right now I'm, I'm yeah. all uh, caffeinated and on yeah. the edge of sanity, uh, a lot yeah. of energy for no reason. So you're um, all jacked up. Great. Yeah. That's what I do. What do you do? Well, I have a six year old. Mm. So, so you've, he's jacked up for you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so he, and in some ways it's great because he keeps me on a schedule. Yeah. Otherwise I would sleep in every day and. Would you? Uh, yeah, I probably would. Yeah. I can't sleep in anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I'm old oh, you're one of those. I'm up at six. You're up at six forty-five. Seven. Yeah. Seven, not five thirty. Yeah. I'm envious of that. Oh yeah, you'll sleep the day away. Well, I won't sleep the day away. I just there are many days where I feel like I never fully wake up. Well, I didn't say and that, that doesn't happen. No, I that that's uh, that happens to me every day. I don't know what it yeah. feels like to feel good. Do you know what it feels like to feel good to wake up and be like, wow, I feel great. I've had a few of those days, but not many. In your life? I, so I know they exist. Yeah. So you sort of chase them. You sort of yeah. chase that, yeah. that refreshed, like waking up refreshed. Yeah. And just instantly happy. Yeah. Like just like endorphins at a high when yeah. you first wake up. No. And I can remember there was a period of time where I 
I, I told myself, like, give yourself the process of waking up in the morning. Right. Like, don't just jump out of bed and go and yeah. all of a sudden be on edge instantly. Right. And really angry if the coffee isn't good. Right. And, yeah. Like, yeah. give myself the at least even just a minute and a half. Yeah. And I, and it actually helped a little bit. Well, now I have all, yeah. all the time in the world to wake up, but it's sort of, uh, it, it's not true. the same <laughs> kind of peaceful feeling. It's like, what's the point yeah. What's yeah, gonna yeah. happen today? I know. I know. We're, you're way upstate, and you kind of hold up. No, you're... I'm in Connecticut. I'm in the northwest corner of Connecticut. Oh, is it pretty? It's beautiful here. And it's you beautiful. don't? Did you live in New York forever, or never? I grew up. I was born in Manhattan, and grew up in Manhattan. What part of Manhattan? I, uh, well, I grew up on the Upper East Side. My mother was a nurse at Sloan Kettering, which is the big cancer hospital there. She's a cancer nurse. She was a yeah, private duty cancer nurse. Wow. And she worked 12-hour shifts. And um, my parents split when I was young, so I, I grew up with her. But was and your dad down the street? No, my father was on the other side of Central Park. He was across town, <laughs> bus ride away. But same city. <laughs> same city. Two very different worlds. The apartment with my mother and the apartment with my father were very different places, and I would go back and forth. But you, but it was it was not like he disappeared from your life. He just went over across the park. Disappear occasionally. Yeah. But he always came back. So what was it? So your mom was very grounded, nurturing, care person. My mother was, yes. My mother is unbelievably beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Exquisitely, like a really stunningly beautiful woman. Yeah. And, and she found herself a single parent and she had to work very, very hard yeah. to keep it going. Yeah. And, you know, and I was, uh, and I tried to be as good a child as I could right. to help her because it was stressful for her. You had to grow hard. up quick. Was, you know, yeah. I grew, you, up, I grew up a little fast. Right. Yeah. Because you, you, know? you could, you could sense your mom was strained and that it wasn't. Yeah. She was the exhausted right. and tired. And she might, there was a very nasty divorce with my father and they really did not get along and, mm. uh, and never did. Never. You know, even, even decades later, it was very, very difficult. But you have no record. It was hard recollection of them together i have i saw them together three times in my life in the same field of vision that's and it i was so <laughs> like every molecule in my body sort of jangled yeah when i when i saw them to, when i could look at my father and then turn my head and look at my mother it was Wow. It was, uh, and the last time they were together was that the first two times were uh, too upsetting. Too when, how old were you? Handle. I was really young. What, my father came to pick me up one time oh. on a Christmas day. Yeah. And he, what, cause what used to happen is he would, he would come, he would visit, he would pick me up in his VW orange bug. Hmm. I would, my mother would say goodbye to me upstairs and I'd take the elevator down and then I'd go get in the car with him and he'd drive me over to the West side and I'd spend the weekend with him and he would drive me back. Right. So they never saw each other. Yeah. Um, they really did not like each other at all. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> they like really it. really didn't. And then there I was. Hi. The constant yeah. reminder. Hi. Yeah. Um, so he came over to pick me up one time. And there were other people around. There was family around. And I, they were both so freaked out to be in the same room that that wasn't fun. Ugh. And then the second time was my high school graduation. And they, my mother was, had remarried and was with my stepfather. And my father was with my stepmother, who I loved. I loved both my step parents. That's nice. And, yeah, thank God. 
but I remember my, my mother and my stepfather were on the floor of the auditorium and my father was in the uh, balcony. And I can remember at the graduation, like looking, and I was on stage, we yeah. were sitting on stage. And I can remember looking at one and then looking at the other. And that was the first time I was really an adult. And I was so aware <laughs> that they were both there. And he was looming, looming over you in the balcony somewhere? Yeah. Far away? I think both freaked out that the other was there. Oh, uh, yeah. And the third one was I, I received, much to my surprise, I received an honorary doctorate at my college. Yeah. And Which they college? Both came, I went to Brown University. Oh, that one. And yeah. they, that one. And they both showed up for that. And they were both so happy. And they really got along. And it was really nice and very important for me, like more important for me than I even realized, you know, that they they enjoyed being in the room together. They laughed. They were comfortable in their own skin. They were kind to each other, to me. It was it was really nice. Wow. It's it's sort of wild how long that can take people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to sort of it's I don't know if it's yeah. growing up, but I mean, because, you know, uh, again, we're in the same age range. Like there were so many yeah. things that were so important and seemingly just life or death emotional situations when you're younger. And it's like it doesn't even fucking matter anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's got to be a moment where whatever resentment you're holding on yeah. to just kind of melts yeah. away you don't even know why and you also like wonder like what what happened for that type of Ugh. um do you think they asked that themselves uh probably yeah but it's it's something neither of them wanted to talk about and i think they both tried to they tried their best they weren't it, it wasn't sort of anger for sport i right. think it was yeah there was clearly a deep, uh, very deep sense of betrayal. And my father was a, a, a wonderful, brilliant man, but he was also difficult and had a lot going on, had a lot going on. So I'm not, it makes a lot of sense that it would be difficult. Um, so he was in the arts, right? He was a, yeah, he was uh, a playwright. So yeah. he's living that life in the, what, the, Early sixties, yeah. yeah, doing 60s, the thing, seventies, yeah. And your mom's like a nurse living that life. Yeah, my father was reactive, and my mother was dealing. Right, and but he's out, in God knows what, with the theater parties and the. Oh yeah, abs- oh yeah. He smoking the drinker. cigarettes, probably. That's yeah. right. Yeah, big he drinker. Drinker and all sorts. Mm. Yeah, he was a big drinker. He stopped, fortunately, but it was you know not not fun. Oh, so so he was he was a big enough drinker to have to stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and man. How. Yeah. Really? And, and and many other things that I know of, and God knows what I don't know of. But did you? you know, it's always, like one of the. It's always a tip of the tip of the iceberg. Well, I have to imagine that you you going into theater that given that he was a presence that you probably heard things throughout a good part of your life about the guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I would meet people. I would go into rooms to audition when I got out of school. Right. And people would make, they'd say, are you related to Romulus Lenny? And I'd say, yes, I'm his daughter. And I could see this, depending upon what their relationship was with him, because he angered a lot of people. Right. And a lot of people adored him. Right. So it was not, he was nowhere in between. People right. either loved him. Right. Or he had been really awful to them. And you and, could see uh, it in their face. Was there oh ever, like, my God. just oh moments? Oh, my God. 
Oh my God. And it would, and then when I started actually working yeah, and if there were people who realized it would take them a while right, to realize that I was not my father, that oh my I love my father. Yeah. And, and then I got, just got to the brave part where I would say, and, and you know, they would say like, I worked, I knew your father. And I was like, how was that? <laughs> and, and how was that for you? <laughs> Knowing it could be one way or the other, but I, I adored him and he was, um, he was a challenging, fascinating man and brilliant. It seems like your mother probably did you a big favor in a way. Oh, absolutely. She did. I oh, mean, absolutely. that you not only had a buffer, but you had sort of like, you know, she was your primary. So you didn't yeah. have to kind of, you know, totally oh, yeah. oh, no, no, be no. absorbed in his emotional, erratic yeah. and dangerous and, and behavior. Absolutely. Hmm. absolutely. But you, you grow up fast. I know, but it seems like you did, you know, it seems like you went the right direction. You know, thank God I had some sort of survival instinct that I don't even quite understand. Like I had some sense of how to keep myself safe right. and where to go and when to leave a situation. Like when to, like I, I went to boarding school for a reason. Like I got myself out. Oh, I yeah? found a school, I applied on my own. I was like, see ya. What was, what was so <laughs> menacing? menacing i just had an instinct that i should go somewhere else uh for that you know? for the high school time yeah that it would help me that it would help my family that it would help everybody but you know and i just had an instinct to go to the country oh that's what's great because like the weird thing is like when you have a parent who's kind of kooky or not that's like a light word but you know whether they're yeah. you know kind of boozy or emotionally erratic i mean you yeah. could either kind of be like you seemingly pretty stabilized or you could be like out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> and I'm very get, lucky. You went the other yeah, way. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no. I, and I have thought about that a lot. Yeah. I don't know why that happens. what did you find? What do you figure? I, I, I don't know. You know, it's the cards you're dealt. I mean, yeah. like I, I was not dealt the addiction card. Right. And also, but it, it, it didn't appeal to you, obviously the lifestyle necessarily. Yeah. No, I, I didn't like it. But like when you were coming up in, in, you know, like a Juilliard or, or Brown or wherever, I mean, were you the person that was, you know, hanging around people that were clearly out of fucking control, cleaning up glasses? I mean, what were you? No. Oh, good. Yeah, no. You, were, you weren't no. the caretaker of like. But I dated, like, but I fell in love with a lot of drinkers. <laughs> but I did that. Uh, I dated, you know, I dated all those guys. So when did you start? Did when you were a kid, were you hanging out at the theater? Did you go to your mm -hmm. father's like workshops oh, yeah. or when? Oh, he was yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I loved it. You know, he would drag me. I mean, he didn't know what to do with a kid. God bless yeah. him. He really didn't. And yeah, you know, so I became a peer. He could sort of function with See? me that way. So I was like the little lucky you had your I, mom. Yeah. Yeah. And also I realized I was safe in that position. If I didn't uh -huh. behave like a daughter. Oh, like okay. I could, I would be included. Uh huh. And so, oh, there you go. I sort of became that. So I would sit in the corner of rehearsal rooms and be very quiet and not bother anybody and just soak it in. And I loved it. Wow. I loved being there. Do you remember seeing actors that like blew oh, you yeah. away? Uh, oh, absolutely. And I can remember watching actors who were not good and being yeah. more fascinated by that. Well, in like, what way? Why are they not good? Like, oh, what's oh. going on there? Why is that not working? So I was more interested in that. Why am I not buying that? Yeah. Why do I feel nothing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Why, why am I thinking while yes. they're acting? Yes. <laughs> why have I not gone with them somewhere? What is it that's keeping me out? 
Interesting. And were you, yeah. did you kind of res- work those problems in your head or did you talk to him about it? Or? I did. Uh, yes. All, all of those things. I mean, yeah. he was fantastic with, I can remember being at school and just not understanding Shaw. Like, what is this? I just, and I can remember calling him on the phone yeah. in like a hallway next to the butt room at, when they still let high schoolers smoke. I had that. Do you remember that? Yeah. We, oh, they yeah. would let high schoolers, they would let the high schoolers smoke. You, they couldn't stop permission. us. They couldn't stop no, us. But they would get permission to smoke and there'd be a designated room in the basement of the dorms where- Did you smoke? 14 year old, no, 14 year old kids were smoking. So what did um, he say? You know, he. It, I don't even remember specifically what it was. Mm. But I loved listening to him talk about the theater. I, I loved it. I saw one production of Major Barbara, and they put the entire yeah. budget into the gun at the end. Like the... <laughs> Boom! <laughs> yeah, well, just it was this giant thing that came Cannon. out into yeah. the audience. It was a college production. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Because it, yeah. it, it ends with a gun, a giant cannon. It can. So, all right. So you're watching. Do, do you remember like being like sort of overwhelmed by any any particular actors in that time? Imagine, you know, outside of your dad in the process of theater that it, to, in order to kind of pursue acting, you must have been like that guy or that woman. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Philip Bosco. Oh, growing yeah. up, what, seeing Philip Bosco and, and John Lithgow oh, did a, a yeah. play called Spoke Song at Circle in the Square, which was not particularly great, but he was fascinating. Yeah. I saw a lot of plays at Circle in the Square growing up. A lot of the classics. And a lot of them were mediocre, but God, I loved them. And then some were just great. He took me to the theater a lot. And so did my mother. My mother loved the theater as well. It's so specifically so, New York. It's the only place oh, you is. can grow up like that. I know. I know. And and yeah. you sort of can't now because it's too expensive, which is a real shame. Yeah. And now maybe ne- never again. It might not ever yeah. happen again. And now, I mean, I just, it just I can't even go there, but... Have you thought that though? The heartbreak of, of a world without all, theater. Well, all of it. Well, all of it. Theater, museums, dance, opera. Wow, oh my god! You know, I, 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 I think it's going to restore eventually, but yeah. I think it's. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to come back together. It's amazing what people are doing online just to get it out and get that you know that human yeah. spirit of expression, yes. but it's yes. not the same. Yeah. No, but we don't no. have to go there. So, all right. So you you did. You went to the prep school. Did you act there? Yeah, I did. did. That's where oh, it started? Yeah. All the time. It started before that. I mean, I was Mrs. Claus in the, in the like, Everett School, second grade, <laughs> the, you know, Christmas play. The I mean, memorable always, production of... That, oh, yes. That's right. A feminist take on Santa Claus. Santa <laughs> yeah. got a cold and Mrs. Claus had to take over. Nice. So I delivered the presents. Wow. Yeah. Ms. Magazine had come out that year. So it was whatever year that was. Life changer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so when did you consciously start training? Well, it took me a long time to admit that I wanted to be an actress. Why? I was very shy about it. Mm. Um, and I think because it was something I felt I had to earn. Right. And I didn't kind of want to offend the theater gods by saying, I want to be an actress too early. Right. Right. I mean, I know it sounds a little silly, but I was. I, it always made me so uncomfortable when there was a young person like, I want to be an actress. Right. And I sort of envied them and and was repelled by them at the same time. But you knew, you honestly knew what that takes. I mean, to come up, you know, yeah, with a father like that and, and just true. that that question that you had about people that weren't yeah. doing it kind of yeah. made you realize like, no, there's a, 
got to learn some shit. Yeah, it's not just yeah. some sort of childish it dream. It costs something. Yeah. And it's it's noble. It can be very noble. and it, sure. Or it can be just completely self-serving. That's it. Know? Yeah. Or I both. Mean, or a combination of the two. But I, well, I think it's a very different sort of experience for people like, you know, that have kind of a dream of, of like, I want to be a movie star. I want to be an actress or whatever. And they just come out here and get, yeah. you know, beat up as opposed yeah. to, you know, somebody right. who who digs into theater. I mean, that's a yeah. it's kind of a rare yeah. thing. You well, know? there's also there's the different without sounding, you know, totally annoying. Yeah, there's a difference between a profession and a vocation. And when you have a pull towards something in a with a vocation sort of wind at your back. Right. I think it's a different experience. And then you learn how to how to braid the professional into it because right. you have to in right. this day and age. But it certainly helps because you don't take the bait a lot of times. What do you mean? You just, like you just don't take the bait. You okay. know, you just yeah. don't you just <laughs> You take the less glamorous choice because you think it's more interesting. Sure. You, right. Right. You right. brush it off when someone says, you know, have you ever thought about having your nose done? You, <laughs> you know, you, uh, you just do the work. You know, right. you just, you just right. do, you, you do the work and you know what you know and you stand there. And I've made many mistakes and I've done things that, you know, were terrible and bad, but I learned from them. Yeah, how, um, but did but how long did it take you to put it into that framework as a learning experience as opposed to like, oh my God, uh, <laughs> Why, why'd I do that? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Things just don't work out. And there's a difference between doing something because you have a personal agenda behind yeah. it and it has nothing to do with the work and doing something that just doesn't work out and just isn't good. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. The things yeah. that just aren't good, you know. Sure, sometimes sure. things just aren't good, it, and they're great people, and it's all done for the right reasons. And what can you? It do? just doesn't work. It doesn't come together. It doesn't, yeah, it's just yeah. bad. It's, it, isn't that <laughs> or weird? Or you're though? bad in it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes things just align in a very, un, and they sort of for something to be great, it kind of that kind of has to happen. When did you first experience that? I don't know if I've I've had it. I've had whiffs of it. I think the first tales of the city was really. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I think John Adams was pretty, I'm very proud of that one. Yeah. That must've um, been amazing to just be on the sets of those things. Like when it, you... was. it was, a, it was a tough set and a lot of people did not have a good time doing it, but right. I loved it. But I those... loved it. Being in the, the I... period piece. Kind oh, of I lo- and every department was working at such a high level yeah. and it was so well funded. Yeah. And it's the sort of example of when you give, a generous amount of money to really good people. Right. Like what can happen? Like it's money that, that was used well. So every costume, everything that was on that set was And I can remember there was a day where we were shooting, we were at the white house Yeah. and they had cleared an entire field, acres and acres and acres of trees were down and they had spread fake snow all over the place. And they yeah. had this enormous replica of the outside of the White House. And I was standing there in this unbelievable outfit with hair and makeup that, uh, you know, done by total artists. Yeah. I can remember standing, looking out at this, like time travel. Right. Field division. Yeah. And I, I knew then, I was like, I'm never going to see this again. I was mm. very aware of like, I don't think 
things like this don't happen very often. And yeah. I don't think I'll ever see this type of production again. And it, it was amazing. Wow. It, it's amazing to see like what's possible when things are aligned correctly. Yeah. When you give uh, support to skilled artists, like yeah. what they can do. Yeah. I, I sort of feel that way about the Harry Potter movies too. You know, <laughs> when you give money like that to people who are, you know, just, it's just pouring out of them, the creativity and the skill right? and the ability. And I also love people who, who can talk about what they do and then execute it because there are people who could really talk about it. And then there are people who could execute it, who you don't want to speak to. But when you get those people who are, who can do both, yeah. who have the ideas and then the skill to execute it, it's so exciting to be around. Yeah, especially when it's like there's so many of them. And and if they're yeah. all working at a top, like for yeah. something like yeah. the John Adams movie, I mean, like I've only been on a few productions, but like that must have been massive. And there's so oh, many people. Huge. So many people involved. You know, your yeah. costumes, set deck, oh, and just oh. the you know, people doing the snow. I mean, that's this Absolutely. whole other. Absolutely. The wind whole... machines were enormous. Oh, my God. And Paul you know, was great to work with? Paul was great. Paul was great. He's an interesting you know? actor, huh? Yeah, he's a really good actor. He's a really good actor. I loved working with him. How do you, yeah. like what? How do you judge that through connection? Like you know, like because there's a range of people's abilities, and as somebody, you know, I've noticed this before, but obviously I don't have much experience. But but when somebody's not meeting you where you are, you sort of have yeah. to you you have to act on top of acting. Yes, but you have to be careful because then you can overgenerate. Oh, right. You have to be careful and you just have to be helpful. Uh-huh. But if you can somehow connect to someone, right. somehow, then something good will, will be there. It's um, it's odd, right? That like, because in the times I've done it, you know, because I don't like, I don't have great chops, but I, I can sort of put my heart out there. Yes, and you, you can. And, and yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah. And it's and, really good. Well, thank you. <laughs> but you know when that's received, you know, even if it's supposed to be push back against you you know you can feel it happening whatever's supposed to happen and when it doesn't happen you're sort of like okay i gotta <laughs> i gotta just pretend like i'm acting as this guy but now i gotta pretend like i'm getting what i need there was one play that i was in with someone who was just had all sorts of issues and all sorts of problems yeah and i took my contact lenses out so that i wouldn't have to see them completely <laughs> Because I realized if I it's terrible, but true. <laughs> Did if that I work? reacted, it helped. I mean, huh. it didn't save the thing, but it helped. But yeah. I realized if I took in and reacted to what I was seeing, yeah, it would not be the play. So it was an effort to sort of keep the the car in the right lane. Wow. Um, what yeah. a int- what that's like some. <laughs> it, it's interesting when you have to troubleshoot and the vessel is you, like you know, like when you. <laughs> When you have that yeah. an issue like that, like to to yeah. sort of like to like MacGyver your your capacity to stay engaged in a role, you have to blur the person you're with. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a it's a brilliant uh, idea. And then I did what I called buttonhole acting. Was that mean? where you made a choice? You would stare at the butt at the first buttonhole. Oh. <laughs> and just stare there. <laughs> Wow. You sort of cock your head and bend down, look down a little bit, make a sort of submissive sort of character choice and just look at the buttonhole. You never look at someone's face. When you do, when you make choices like in, in roles, <laughs> do you, I'm, are, are you that, are you, are you that 
like minutia oriented where you can make decisions like that? I mean, obviously when you're doing TV or movies, you have, you know, there's framing involved, but even in plays, it must be different. I mean, in plays, you've got to, got to get that role going. You got to stay in it. Well, you have time. Yeah. You have the element of time. And also it's what time does to a group of people. Mm. It's right. And it's nothing you can generate. It's nothing you can create. And it's something that just happens the layers of experience week after week, show after show. And then the play will reveal itself in a different way the more you do it. And I love that. I love when you stop working on the play and the play starts working on you. It's a, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen, it's just, it can be magical. And you can just feel it turn. You like almost like the the day it happens. You can feel it lift off the page. You know, there's a, there's that period of time in the third week of rehearsal, which is so painful. Yeah. When you hate yourself, you hate the play. You think you're ruining everything around you. You feel like you should quit and they should get someone better. And it's, it always happens. It always happens around the same time. And it's the, one of the great lessons of the theater. And there are many of them. But one of them is like learning how to sit in discomfort. Hmm. You have to sit in the discomfort and go through the process of allowing things to come together. And that right. just takes time. You right. all the only thing you can do is keep working through the discomfort and have thank God I've done it long enough now to have faith that it, it will it will work out. Um, sometimes it doesn't but, right. but a lot of the times it, it if you keep working and sit in that discomfort and let it teach you things, like you're uncomfortable for, for a reason and like why am I uncomfortable? Why am I, what feels bad and why is it, be diagnostic about it and slowly tinker here and there and let your knowledge of the play, the power of the play come out, your connection to other people. And then it will sort of become its own thing. Right. Um, And it's a very exciting period of time. Well, you like you have to have a a certain confidence and, and, and patience and, 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 experience to allow that to happen. I mean, I imagine it's, it seems like pretty good life advice as well in general, Absolutely. but with any, any sort of creative endeavor, it took me a long time to accept that because, you know, your insecurity can destroy that. I mean, if, if you have insecurity, you know, the, the, the waiting or the discomfort, you'll just turn it in on yourself and then it's yeah. over, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why it, which is why our industry film television is, is, it's so rough on addicts, really, really rough. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you have addiction, you yeah. know, which many, 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 many people do. Yeah. It, it is, a, it is a recipe. It can be a recipe for disaster. Well, I, I was always fortunate when I was, you know, using that. It, it was not something I needed to do to do other things. You know, like I did right. not like being high on stage. Like it was not. Right. It was good. But I knew guys who were like, you know, yeah. needed whatever Me it was. Too. <laughs> yeah me too but then you sit there yeah. and you're like well that's a, that's its own talent how the fuck is that guy doing that that fucked up yeah but not for long right. it, it's progressive you it, know. know yeah right they'll, they'll they'll fall over and ruin themselves and ruin other people did you see that is that what did your old man have that did he get that bad for him uh yeah 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 he burned a lot of bridges he was you know, yeah. he was a very passionate man. He was a very powerful person. And he he had language. 
Right. He had language. <laughs> he had the skill of the word. So he could. Um, He's a flamethrower. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was. I always wished I could have given him a little more sense of peace, but. No. You, you know, you can't do that for someone. He never. How long was he able to stay so? Like, how long did he live sober? I'm not quite sure. It's all a little fuzzy, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I. I have a sister who's 11 years younger than I am, and I think he stopped drinking shortly after she was born. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I remember having a conversation with him about it. And did his quality of life was, or engagement change? Oh, oh, sure. I'm yeah. sure it did. But he was still, you know, yeah, all over the place. He didn't go to the program. He wasn't. Oh, no program. He had no, no program. So dry. There was no dry drunk. Yeah. There was no, um, Oof. no tools. Right. Um, so probably they you know, got a little, probably got a little edgier, a little more angry. <laughs> probably yeah. didn't help. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, it was. The, you know, the problem with being good with words and being a, a a kind of sensitive, passionate, angry person is that you can say things to people that you will never be able to take back, and they will never right. forget it. They'll never forget it, and they no. won't forgive you. No, no, yeah. and and nor should they. Hmm. In some ways, for some, yeah. in some cases. I no, guess in that's some true. Cases, no, why should they? I don't know. You it's know. a good question about forgiveness. You know, I, yeah. you know, I, it's a really, to really do it is a really challenging thing. It's really hard. And, you know, it gets easier as you get older if the injury is, you know, kind of faded. But man, to, to sort of yeah. like be confronted with the idea of it, like, you know, you know, you have to forgive this person. You like, and you, and you can feel in your heart what that work requires. Yeah. Tough, yeah. man. Really hard. And when you want to, but you can't do the work to do it. Oh, yeah. And it, because the resentment or the, the anger still, like, overrides and it. And you don't want to go there. Uh, I know. You're like, I, I don't have to go back there. Yeah, what's the and benefit? For, yeah. <laughs> so great. So they're forgiven. Fantastic. They're yeah, going right. to feel a lot better. Yeah, Good yeah, for yeah. them. And fuck them. Wait a and minute. I didn't them. do it right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I didn't forgive. <laughs> yeah, forgiveness is hard. Yeah. And forgiving yourself is hard. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if you change your behavior, it's a little easier because there's less of a docket of things you have to forgive yourself for. Yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And to realize that you have like many different lifetimes in one lifetime is also true. true. You know, if you're lucky, it's true. So like I watched. um... Uh oh. (laughs) Oh, I'm nervous now. (laughs) No, I mean. I just watched You Can Count On Me. I watched that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. It really is it's good. It's really good. It really right? is good. You know, yeah. and I... He, and has, he has made three brilliant films. And he's one of those guys that's like, it's like, you know, I'm not going to overwork myself. And because, you know, when he does something, you're kind of like, all right, well, oh, we got to reckon with this. Yeah. And I yeah. interviewed that guy. He's, you Kenny know... Kenny Lonergan, yeah. 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 He's an yeah. intense, you know, kind of dark genius guy, talking... Yeah. You know, they're always but very, a little more. And also, also very loving underneath all of that. He's, yeah, I felt that. You know, I felt yeah. that. But like, you yeah. know, like for some reason, when you see someone's work, you, you know, I always make assumptions like Paul Thomas Anderson is another example. But you get them in a room and you're sort of like, no, you're just kind of a, you know, they're not that intimidating. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. They're just kind of regular yeah. guys in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Who are just really good at what they do. But really coming good. at yeah, but coming out of theater and doing like you know the because he did a lot of theater and stuff. But yeah. I mean, when you see writing like that, like oh, yeah. and I and I don't want you know do old news, but I mean there because you did other things before that that were fun and good. 
But yeah. like that movie, when you watch it now and I rewatch it, there's there's a the the language of it and and the way he writes characters is it is so perfect almost. Oh yeah, it's heaven for an actor. Yeah, it's heaven. Everything you need is right there, and there are clues everywhere. And if you if you're sensitive to a writer and what they're writing, if they're really good, yeah, they write everything for a reason. Right. And the great writers, the ones who write like very specifically. Yeah. The punctuation tells you so much. Right. And it, he didn't overwrite anything. No. No explaining. No. Every stutter is written. Really? Every. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very exact. And I've never worked with anyone who understands their own work better than he does. Is that was that problematic? It could be. It could be. Yeah. It, it could be frustrating. But he was right. Uh huh. Did you, know? you guys fight? We we locked horns a few times, but in a friendly, nice oh, yeah. way. Just actor director way. Yeah, like I don't understand that. Like in a respectful way, but we uh -huh. would lock horns. I would be like, I don't. I, this doesn't make sense. Like, where is this? Where I don't. This Where's it coming right from? Or, yeah, and I, I don't want to do that. It feels yeah. patronizing. It feels or whatever it was. Who knows? But yeah. he was always he was always right, and I was wrong. Have you seen his plays as well? Have you ever been in a play of his? I've never been in a play of this now, but I love them. Waverly Gallery and This Is Our yeah. Youth. And, you I know, just saw Waverly amazing. Gallery, I think. They just did a revival of That's it, right? They did. They sure did. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that when I was yeah. in New York once. I and Elaine May won the, she won the Tony for it. And her daughter is a great actress. Yes, and a director, I believe, yes. But she was in that other Lonergan movie, the, the long one. Margaret. Oh, my God. Yeah, Margaret and Manchester by the Sea. So there's You Can Count on Me, right. Margaret. And Manchester by the Sea. All of them start with a horrendous death. That's right. They're all about death. Or they're all, they center around the death, like, and he never realized that. I, really? I, interview, I, I interviewed him once. Hmm. Um, he came to Telluride with um, Manchester by the Sea. And yeah. I, go to the, I go to that film festival every year, and, or I try to. And, yeah. uh, and they asked me to interview him at this forum. And I did. And I said, you know, you realize every, every you've made three movies. I think they're all masterpieces. I really do. And they're all, they're all instigated by a, a very painful death. And he, he didn't quite see that at the time, or he seemed to not see that. Maybe he knew it and just didn't, didn't but, step up to it. But, but isn't it wild structurally that like that, well, I think in, in some sort of classic structure that would imply that, you know, it should work towards some kind of, uh, resolve like uh, not uh, not a happy ending, but it seems like tragedy versus com. Like if you're going to start with the tragedy, that the arc should be like, oh, okay, things are going to yeah. be okay. But none of them really end like that. They yeah. end they they end with things are things. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it makes you think about like, what do you do with death of that proportion? How do you? And I've I've lost. I'm sure you did as well. I, I lost a lot of friends during the AIDS crisis. And I've lost a lot of people and people who I loved and people who I needed. I've lost more to, to drugs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That too. That too. And then what do you do with that? Hmm. And when they're young and your life with them was not completed, <laughs> yeah. like what do you do with the love that you have for that person? Where does yeah. it go? Where do you put it? 
And how do you make it not sink you? How do you take the spirit of that person and incorporate it in your life in a way that makes you better? That makes it, you know, it's painful. Mm. But how do you, what do you, what do you do with that? And it, it, how do you keep them alive for yourself? That's not crazy and obsessive, but how do you keep what they gave you still close at hand? Yeah. And how, and, and what have you, how have you done that? Uh, well, I have friends who were, you know, unbelievable at dinner parties. Yeah. And I'm not much of that person. And I really fumble my way through. Uh-huh. But I try, and I haven't done it in over a year now, but I try and have small gatherings of people. And it's my own way of uh, honoring them. Really. Yeah, sure. You know, of, you know, Alan Rickman and, and Natasha Richardson were amazing at bringing people together, yeah. at having a meal, at, and I'm so far out of my comfort zone, but I try and do that because that's what they taught me. You entertain you know, people? I don't. I'm really bad at it, but I try. But to, isn't, that, isn't so much of that about bringing the right people together? True. Yeah. yeah but I, you know, I'm an a inconsistent cook at best. <laughs> yeah. I... I don't handle that stress terribly well, but I, but I try. I, I think about that a lot because there's definitely people that have passed that I knew in, you know, I don't know the, the depth of my relationship is, is usually one-sided uh, in a lot of ways. Like I, I make assumptions about like my connection with people that is sometimes real and sometimes isn't. But, but I, I, you know, a lot of times as I get older, I, I kind of just, I don't grieve properly. I'm just sort of like, well, you know, that's, that's how it ends, you know? And I, I, I think I, I stuff it down, but yeah. I do find that I have reverence for people and I always speak highly of the people that, that had an influence on me. And in, and in my, for the first time in my last comedy special that is on now, like I can see where my love of certain people in my life, comedians in particular yeah. manifest in yeah. me. Yeah. And how I, I honor that creatively. I can bring do that. them with you. You bring them with yeah. you. Right. You bring them with you on stage. I do that. Right. Yeah. You know, I try to summon Phil Hoffman whenever I can. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, dude, help me out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come on with me, baby. Yeah. You know, I do. I do that all the time. How does he inform you? What did you, what was it? Oh, what was God, the... I loved him so. I loved him so. Um, we did The Savages together. Yeah. It's a great movie. And I just, we understood each other mm. in a way that was um, such a relief. Yeah. He was, it was such a relief for me to be around him. Oh yeah. He kind of saw me in a way that most people didn't. And there was, it was, um, so we really, uh, we had a very strong friendship that way. Yeah. And, um, Unspoken kind of. No, we kind of acknowledged it a little mm, bit, but um, yeah. you know, we kept it, you know, those sacred friendships that you have with people. Yeah. And I, I, I truly like many other people. I am not alone here. I truly loved him. Mm. And he was, uh, important and important to me. Mm. And, he made me a better actor and I 
and we loved being, we loved working together. It was, uh, and I have, I have many relationships with many actors who I, who I love. I love what I do. And, and I've worked with a lot of great people. Um, but Phil was, Phil could, I don't know. He, uh, I think we, I think we had a lot in common. I think mm. there was a, an intersection of pain really that we understood about each other huh. and felt safe with each other and seen like we just got each other. Yeah. 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 Well, where, how, where do you track your pain to? Oh God. Well, you know, I think it's, you know, when you're the child of a divorce and there's yeah. addiction and, yeah. and growing up too fast. You have it. Yeah. And, mm. you know, and your heart gets, your heart gets broken a lot. You have to act like an adult, but you have the sensitivity of a child. That's right. And when you're a child and your heart gets broken, when your heart gets broken too young and you don't even understand what it is, yeah, I think it's, I think it's like a bell has been really rung and it still resonates. <laughs> you know, it's just, it doesn't leave your system. That is a very good way to put it. Because like, I, you know, you, and it's also a resource. It's weird because I could, like when you put it like that, I can tap into it right now. Yeah. That vibration. Yeah. And then you have to learn how to live with it. Hmm. How to let it go if you can, which right. I don't think you ever really can. Or at least balance it with some other yeah. good shit. And well, put it in perspective. Right. It's not, all, it's not all of you. It informs a lot. There's no question. And everyone who knows me, I'm sure would, would say that. But I think it's made me a kinder person. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. And we're like with with Phil, like I never met him. And certainly I like, you know, I, I thought he was amazing. But like as an actor, like, you know, what quality do you think in him was was truly the gift? Like, you know, as when you acted with him or when you see him acting, what did he offer? You know, you know there were people unique? who were just on a different plane. Mm, <laughs> just right. on a different level right and he had an he had a, an actor brain i call it the actor brain because when your actor brain gets turned on and then you can execute the actor brain yeah it's really amazing and he could do that right you know he could really go deeper with freedom mm -hmm. there was even though it was it cost and it was hard and he suffered there was a freedom to his execution right that was deep and the connections were powerful mm. and rich and he understood the different levels of creating something right it was whole and full and and human yeah deeply human you know he's one of those people that had their own time zone like there was just yeah you know, there was an authenticity to it that yes. could never be yes. altered. He could touch truth yeah. in a way so mm. that then that would do a lot of the work for him. Nice. He knew how to really go right to that point and touch the truth, mm. which then is just relief. Then you're just, uh, uh, an audience is relieved, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there's something about tickling the truth. Like when yeah. you can tickle the truth of something, then it's just... Uh, that's what you know, you're doing. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's, it's life-affirming. You know, yeah. It makes you... <gasps> yes. You know, it, wakes, it wakes you up. Someone who's sombulent like me, like is all of a sudden I'm woken up by that. Right. So when you like summon his spirit in your work, what, what do you... What, what is it 
really usually how do you how do you what what do you do how does that work like when you're like kind of think like do you ever think like what would how would phil do this or how would he react or he you know you, you or you just tap into the feeling you had when you kind of were with him i i yes i think all of yeah. them yeah. and also how much he loved the theater you know he loved the theater as much as i did he loved he loved it yeah. he loved it the other thing I was thinking about, like in thinking about people I've known who have passed away and like just this whole idea and that we're 56. Yep. I mean, where do you, where do you stand on the whole mortality thing? How are you holding up with that? Do you think about it? Of course I do. And yeah. I have a six year, I have a six year old. Right. So I had a child right before I turned 50. Mm. So I think about it in terms of that. And I know oh, that yeah. my, uh, you know, hopefully I will live a good long time. Yeah. Yes. I think there's oh, she come. Here he yes. is. Yes. Where, where's the closet downstairs? Where's the closet downstairs? The closet downstairs. You go down the stairs. You go towards the uh, the window, and it's underneath the staircase. Hi. This is my friend Mark. I'm having a conversation with him. Hi. It's a closet you can go into. Go for it. Yeah, and that's your yeah. day. So that's yeah. <laughs> So I think about mortality a lot right. because of that precious, wonderful human being. Yeah. And I know that having a child later in life, part of that, my responsibility yeah. is to teach him how to function. <laughs> well, you, and <laughs> you're doing more it. than likely I, I'm trying to, you know, more than likely I won't, I won't be around for, you know, the latter part of his life. I'm going to try and stick around as long as I can, but you know. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's a weird thing about like, I, I, show a lot of gratitude lately publicly for not having children um yeah. but i don't i didn't do it with like a purpose it, it just i just right. was too selfish to engage yeah, it's just, it's just how life goes yeah and, i don't i don't and mind in it. some ways thank god you didn't have children yeah if that's if that's true for sure but you yeah. love it yeah. you're loving it i love it i do <laughs> i do yeah i do have to ask you some uh some a couple of mystic river questions oh sure did you yeah. like doing that movie? I loved it. When you have to do a role like that, that's obviously, well, it's interesting because there is a similarity between that character and in terms of uh, moral compass and, and the character you play on Ozark in some weird way uh -huh. where yeah, you have to, yeah. right? You have to make this adjustment to do right by your family. Right. You know, with compromising yeah. your moral integrity completely. If you have one, if you have a moral, have moral integrity compass, to begin right. with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the one in Mystic River I don't I kind of did a kind of weird neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know. If, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, but, but yeah. there's a, a different type of morality, but I don't know about the Ozark character. She's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to play someone who is really shrewd, smart, skillful, and emotionally really immature. Mm, right. You know, she, and she's just reactive. When you're preparing for something like for someone like that, do you really take that into consideration, or you just deal with the lines? Or you just deal with the emotions of it. Do you, you do you place judgment on yourself on the character? Uh, you know what I mean. Like this person's a bad person. You know, you you can't really do well, that, can you? No, you have to honor the person you're playing, and you right. have to play them fully, and you've got to want to be there. It's so funny. I just had this weird moment where I'm like, it's sort of like you're an emotional lawyer. You have to give that character the defense it deserves. 
as any well, you, just to, you just have to play it honestly. Yeah, right. And figure out like why. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Why what what is the what's the what's the why behind the behavior? What's the why behind the desire? What's the what's really going on there? Yeah, it's a it's like a it's a dark weird world and that that woman who plays uh the strip club manager the the what's her Julia name? Julia Garner. Julia oh, Garner. Is yeah. she another Julia. one of those people? She's great. Yeah. yeah. There's like an instinctive talent there that is really just lights up. Yeah, she's and, amazing. It's, and, that's a that's an example of like the right actor with the right part. Right. I mean, they it just clicked. Yeah. And like her voice and the sound of that language and yeah. the color of her skin and that hair and her vocal intonation and her understanding of that character on a deep instinctive level is just great. It's really, really wonderful. And and, and how's your relationship with uh, Jason? With Jason's good. Yeah. He's yeah. nice. He's a good guy, right? Solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those yeah. guys where it's like he knows, like when he's in his wheelhouse, he's so fucking great. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, really like yeah. he does a thing. Yeah. Like yeah. he can, it can be funny, it can be dickish, it can be you know calculating. But there's a there's a Bateman wheelhouse that's always very yeah. satisfying. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's been on sets his entire life. Right. So there is just the hours and hours and hours of observation and drinking it in and skill. And, and he's at a point now where he's fully able to take all of that and apply it somewhere else. Yeah. You know, he's directing he's a lot too, to, right? Yeah. And he's a great director. Oh, that's he's great. Really good director. Really, really good. Where do you shoot most of that stuff? Atlanta. Oh, outside Atlanta, of Atlanta. DA. Yeah. It's where everything's Lake being Lanier, shot. Lake Alatoona. It's fantastic. I love yeah. working there. I really yeah, I was it. there for a couple of weeks on, on on a movie thing, but I didn't I didn't get out much. But I like the city. Well, you know, yeah, they, he's one of those. They're going to open that city up in two weeks. So see how uh, that goes. Yeah, yeah. But it's weird when he it, it, like I don't like I'm assuming uh, we're politically like minded that when you yeah. when you're down there and you work with all these great people in Atlanta, you know, kind of yeah. you know, lift, you know, liberal people, creative people. It's a great yeah. sort of um, cultural environment there. But you realize yeah. like. You're you're in this red state. You're surrounded yes. by this uh, uh, ideological disposition, and yes. you're you're kind of the minority there. And and it's really it's weird when you work there, but you're yes. kind of like I love it here. And then you yes. realize that the the people that live down there have been living with that dichotomy their entire lives. Well, my whole family is from Southern Georgia. Really, so I am. Yes, I'm the first person born above the Mason Dixon line. So, so you know my it well. Family, I know it very well. And there are people who I love deeply who have the exact opposite political views that I do. And that's uh, a gift, actually, hmm. because you learn, you learn to see past politics. Tolerance. With people uh -huh. even who are saying things that just go against every fiber of your being. But um, do you ever think like with those people, I mean, I, you know, obviously it's become sort of extreme. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's not just sort of like, you know, we have different views. Now it's like no, it's provocative. We, we live in different a, worlds. Provocative, yeah. And there's a provocative thing that is very hard to handle. And do you ever find like, you know, when you talk about having, you know, friends who passed of AIDS or having, you know, living the life you yeah. live in New York City and all this kind of stuff, yeah. which is now, you know, with that component of society, you are really 
kind of pictured as an enemy of some kind, as as an yeah. elite, and uh, you know, not just liberal, but see, like the language has become really, you know, othering. Brutal. But you still are able to talk to them. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And you find that they're able to talk to you with love that would that would transcend, you know, the venom. I they try harder with me probably than anybody else. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. They they love me and I know they love me. Like and I are, and they know I lo- and I love them. And these are cousins and, and stuff? These are cousins, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um hmm. and it's it was uh, it was wonderful. You know, we used to have a family reunion every year. We still do. But people would get together, talk politics, throw their arms up in the air, yell right. at each other, right. get really confounded, all these cousins who grew up together, you know, in Southern Georgia. And then you all sit down and you have dinner. <laughs> yeah. And you pass the gravy and you, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you talk and you love each other. Right. And then there's family. Right. So it's, um, uh, and it's sitting in discomfort again. It's that. <laughs> You know, over and over and over again. As, as a life lesson. Like, right. how do you sit in discomfort and not have it buck you out? How do you stay in it and have it help you? It's your father's side? I, my father didn't have, an, didn't have much family. So oh. my mother has a large family, but my father had no siblings, hmm. had a few cousins who I didn't know. Right. I, my grandmother I adored. Yeah. Um, but there was my father and my stepmother who I is still alive and who I love right my sister and my grandmother and that was really it from that side of the family and then my mother has all these cousins oh yeah all this stuff so that was fun was your father like able to um how did he respond to your work did he live long enough to see (laughs) oh yeah yeah He, he saw a lot of it it was very hard for him at first oh yeah it really was in what way he didn't quite know how to handle it I don't know I he just didn't like it Huh. I think it was hard for him and it was hard for him when I started to get some attention. Ooh, narcissism. Um, yeah, it was. And then he was extremely proud. Oh, good. And then he was extremely proud and he was, he was great about it, but I think it was hard for him. I don't think it was easy. And I felt bad about that. I really did. I felt really? bad. That, well, there's something about like when your existence causes someone you love pain. Yeah, but, th- but how did that trump the idea yeah. that your father can't even experience, you know, pride and appreciation for? Well, he he had that, and he had the other side. resentment. You know, yeah, I think there was a battle back and forth about that. You know, I had a much easier time than he did, mm. um, as far as my professional life, getting along with people. Mm. You know, it was it was easier for me. Um, right. I also wasn't an alcoholic, so there you yeah. go. But, and, you know, but he burned a lot of bridges and they were, it was, sure. he was, he also, I, I also was born more than anything else. I was born with the right disposition for this business. You know, I have the right disposition for it. I don't freak out if I don't get a part. I'm not mortally wounded if right. someone goes in a different direction or if right. someone says they don't like my work. You know, if I get a really stinky review, I don't read them anymore. But, you know, early on it would hurt, but then I'd get over it. Yeah. You know, I just sort of, uh, all of that sort of isn't as important to me as the work and my friendships and the connections I have there. And fortunately, I was able to grab onto that stuff more than the other stuff. But it's just weird. It's like, I'm glad that he was able to, like, because I, you know, there's, you know, my, my 
parents are obviously not in the business, but they're, they are selfish and they are self-centered. Yeah. And I think that if somebody is, ha, grows up with that kind of weird lack of boundary with parents where they're not yeah. really parents, they're just these people yeah. you grow up with, yeah. that yeah. they kind of, they see you as an extension of them. And then when you act yeah. in, in a way that's, uh, that's detached from them, they, it's almost like their limb is out doing things that they can't do without them. And they're not yes. getting credit for it, you know. Right. right. But that, or there's a sense of embarrassment, or there's, you know. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Well, you're in the same world, but what would the? They're embarrassed at their failure, or at their. No, they're. You know, I. You know, I played a lot of unglamorous women. Right. Right. Yeah. And that has been oh. very hard for my mother. Oh right. <laughs> She's had a hard time with that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to do? Why do you have to play these? You know, oh, interesting. women, you know, that's that can be a little hard for her, but she's always been, you know, supportive. And, but your yeah. old man was able to to come around and fe- and you were able to feel his actual pride eventually. Oh, sure. That's yeah. great. I felt that's, all of it. That's I great. Felt, time. <laughs> Good. I felt all of it. I felt the, the whole, whole the poo-poo platter of what he had to offer. <laughs> well, good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I'll tell you, it was definitely nice talking to you. Well, same here. What a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I've I'm really glad been we, forward to this for a long time. So thank thank you for having me on and thank you for And we did it like all. this in the yeah. new world. How about that? This was the best one. I've only done I've only done a couple and like you know I worry like about cuz I'm so used to having people here, you know, and you can yeah, kind of, of see my house and stuff, but we definitely yeah, yeah. focused and connected and you know I I had emotional feelings. Okay. All the things no, happened. It's really nice when you have a real conversation with someone. <laughs> it it's is. Really, it's really a good thing. It is. It's, it's, good, it's just good for you. Oh, no. You're telling me. I, I, like, I, if I don't have them, I go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Then, all right. Well, yeah. take care and stay safe. Thank you. That was a great conversation, no matter how it happened, no matter where it happened. That, that would have been perfect right here in the garage or just exactly the way it went go watch all of her movies but uh, she's currently in Ozark season 3 premiered last month and you can watch all of the all of the seasons on Netflix I pulled out a, a guitar that I never really played that I had that was a gift um, actually from IFC years ago uh, when I was doing my show there it's a uh, J. Mascus Squire Jazzmaster I'm going to play it now through the Dispatch Master pedal from Earthquaker into my 1953, I believe, Fender Deluxe Tube Monster.
Boomer lives. <laughs>